Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Friday, December 23rd, 2022. This is the last podcast before the final night of Hanukkah and the last, and the not the last, the only day of Christmas. And, uh, and so let me uh, ask you once again to put commentary on your list. Uh, if you are doing year-end charitable giving, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We depend upon people like you and you to provide us with the uh, the resources that will allow us to continue bringing you this podcast, bringing you our magazine, bringing you our website. Um, we're a lean and mean operation, uh, and we uh, every every penny that you give us goes right into the sorts of things that make all of that possible. So please go to www.commentary.org slash donate to give and give generously with me as always, executive editor, Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Um, the January 6th committee has issued its, uh, I guess, 800-page report. It came out last night. None of us has has read it. We've read news stories about it. So um, we are therefore going to do what all good and proper pundits do and talk about it with authority, even though we have no idea what's in it. So who wants to start? I'll, uh, I'll, who wants I'll to start, start? I'll start okay. with absolute rank punditry. Um, I, I thought it was there are signals there uh, in the report and and obviously that occurred as well during the hearings that about overreach. And I think Noah's laid out Noah laid out the other day really well how some of the charges they'd like to see brought are or that they recommended to the Department of Justice are also overreach. Um, I was struck by the uh, recommendation that Congress do something to prevent Donald Trump from ever running for any public office again. So, but it's, that would require impeachment. You can't just target a single American citizen and say, this person can never run for office again. That's not how our law works. But it just struck me that there's a lot in this report as we read it, we'll probably find out more, but from what we've seen so far and heard about so far, that is a implicit criticism of Congress not doing its job before in terms of impeachment, right? The delays, the the unwillingness to act quickly right after January 6th, some of the stuff that, that we were all uh, being pundits about, but I think has proven to have been correct, uh, namely that, that they should have moved quickly. They should have uh, brought the charges right away. They should have had a speedy trial. And I think there would have been a shift in public opinion if even a tiny bit of this was revealed at the time during a trial. So there was a real missed opportunity to uh, usher Donald Trump and his big lie off the public stage early. And now we're going to be having we'll be pulling at these threads for a long time is my prediction. I want to jump in with the the charges because I haven't read the report. It's 850 pages. It's a book. It's an eight chapter book. Um, and, you know, that's holiday reading. Enjoy. But I did read most of the 150-page executive summary of this 850-page report. So I have at least some apprehension of what they're going for. And the charges that they're going that they're asking for, I don't think all of them are overreach. I think it's pretty, you can make a pretty plain case for some of the first two charges, at least the first two charges that they were looking for, which were um, conspiracy to defraud the government yes. and, and obstruction. obstruction of Congress. And obstruction of Congress is both the committee's process and the certification of the votes on 
uh, January 6th. I think that's not a difficult case to make. And also the the president and the people around him wrote down false statements and provided them to officials. It's pretty open and shut. What's overreach is uh, trying to prosecute him on incitement, <clears throat> incitement to violence, incitement uh, or giving aid and comfort to insurrection. Um, so I was researching a lot about this and there was um, a fair amount of legal I won't call it scholarship. It might it might verge on scholarship, but it's mostly commentary. But from attorneys who think that this is a prosecutable charge, that it meets the standards in Brandenburg. And indeed, the committee says it meets the standards in Brandenburg, 1969 Supreme Court case, Brandenburg v. Ohio, that establishes basically the threshold at which point you can prosecute somebody for speech. And they cite uh, a civil uh, judge, uh, Judge um, Amit Mehta, who said that this meets the standard. Um didn't meet the standard for Giuliani or uh, Donald Trump Jr., but Trump definitely meets it. Uh, and it's it just strikes me as very dubious. And I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a constitutional scholar. But all this, everything I've read around this suggests that the Brandenburg test would need to be updated, basically, in order to get a, a conviction of Donald Trump on these standards, in part because it has you know a, a variety of things that the uh, the imminence of violence has to be like really like right now. They have to know it. Donald Trump has to, uh, you know, has to be aware that this that there is violence and have an intention behind that violence to actually achieve something. And it seems like this is difficult to prove because even in Judge Mehta's uh, decision, he uses words like implicit and uh, inference. We can infer. I mean, that's the sort of thing that a criminal jury is. I would not envy a prosecutor has to try to get a conviction based on implication and inference. And also, we would be left with a completely different standard for incitement to violence that would probably entrap future politicians. Uh, Eugene Volokh uh, over at Reason had a, a good you know, take on this and suggested that you know, a politician could appear at a rally and then that rally could get violent later on. Somebody could vandalize something, have a scuffle with police. And then all of a sudden, the politician is, is liable in some meaningful sense for what they do. It doesn't well, Chuck seem Schumer's like... remarks uh, about the Supreme Court would qualify by that standard, right? That that someone went to assassinate a Supreme Court justice after he said, you're going to reap the whirlwind, you know, all the kind of over the top. Whatever hyperbole. standard would succeed Brandenburg in the event that this was prosecuted and then it was appealed and went all the way to the top, which it would, would be more, would be looser than the Brandenburg standard. That's not something I think we should welcome. Um, I want to make the uh, argument that uh, there may be more here to the insurrection charge than than meets the eye. I don't think ultimately the Justice Department will go this route um, because uh, because it does veer too uh, uncomfortably close to, um, you know, uh, is issues of speech. And also, you don't want to overcharge uh, in a case like the, the one thing you don't want to do is overcharge. Like that's something you might want to do in a case where you want to get somebody on something. So you, you indict them on 256 different things in an effort to get 254 dismissed and two like gimmies to go with. But they do adduce evidence or they, according to what I'm reading, they have adduced evidence that hits a sort of know or should have known standard uh, that uh, Trump had every reason to know uh, that something bad was going to happen and uh, did nothing to prevent something bad from happening. And this is not just about speech. It is about the very act of organizing and directing the rally. So the, the 
the things that I haven't seen before, which doesn't mean that they haven't been out before because I don't have a granular knowledge of of everything that's leaked so far, uh, is we have... Um, I'm just trying to find this. I'm sorry. Uh, just give me a second here. Um, we have... The former president's advisors, this is according to the Washington Post, first discussed a march on the U.S. Capitol on December 27th. A Trump aide and lead rally organizer, Justin Caporal, it's a name I haven't seen before, wrote in a text that day that the president's speech on January 6th may be followed by, quote, a call to action to march to the Capitol and make noise. This is the earliest indication the report says that the president planned to call on his supporters to march on the U.S. Capitol. On January 2nd, rally organizer Katrina Pearson said she was told by White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows that the president would call on his supporters to march. The committee found several other messages supporting its contention that the march was not spontaneous or grassroots, but had been discussed extensively within the former president's orbit for many days. Now, if you connect this to information that the White House and that the Secret Service and others were receiving that people were going to come to the rally armed uh, and then the rally was not canceled. I I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that there is a, there is a universe in which you can plausibly say that what Trump did here was create an event for the purpose of having people march on the Capitol and that given his own statements like it'll be wild and stuff like that, hinting and, you know, creating the impression that he wanted there to be a violent defense of his remaining in the presidency. I mean, you can absolutely make that case and maybe a criminal jury will agree with you. But also the criminal jury would have to disregard the president's animal instinct to have some perfunctory throat clearing nod to being peaceful. Does that not introduce an element of doubt that would totally. preclude conviction? Totally. So I'm not here talking about legal strategy. Like I say, I don't imagine that there will be any serious effort to charge him with insurrection. You know, that is a, as you, as you've already indicated, that's a very high standard to reach. You know, even saying that you want to march on the Capitol is itself a form of speech. Like that's just that's just support for freedom of assembly. You could march on the Capitol. Brandenburg was about a case in which a KKK member called for the violent overthrow of the U.S. government before an audience of armed KKK members. OK, <laughs> I guess if that's your bag, you can get away with it. But it was a criminal violation at the time. And the criminal violation was was established during the first Red Scare. By the by, the the um, uh, I'm blocking on the name of the justice Oliver Wendell Holmes by that court by the the Wilson administration's court. It's not a good standard. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, I'm sure, John, as you say, you could. There is a universe um, in which this case could be made. Um, it would be a bad legal universe, I think, to 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 plunge us into. Um, and you could see how it could become another sort of tit for tat. Uh, um, uh, move in the partisan arms race uh, whereby each side now um, takes the other to task using some new intervention to 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 try to criminalize um, their opponent's behavior. But look, I mean, I mean but, you know, tr yeah, it's Go just ahead. that tr tr Trump, we hope, 
represented a sort of unique problem here and to to go along with some sort of you know permanent change uh in in our legal understanding of these things because of him i think would be a huge tragedy well that's and that's the the anxiety right now i think um and you see it in like the the op-ed the editorial that the new york times uh put out about the report uh the other day is this idea that democracy is really still very fragile like it's so fragile it's so fragile and like this could have toppled the whole thing Meanwhile, you know, 900 people have been convicted of, of you know, uh, about their activity of crimes, given their activities on the day of January 6th. Um, you know, seditious conspiracy charges were successful in the case of some of the organizers of these small extremist groups. The Proud Boys guy is going on trial soon. So actually, it, it suggests that it, in, a, in a democracy where rule of law is still respected, it isn't that fragile as long as we all can get, you know, prosecute these people in a way that that's uh, fair minded. And that has been happening despite attempts by people like Trump to to declare them martyrs. But I don't I think the left in particular is having trouble with understanding what democracy is with regard to speech. And this has been an ongoing the free speech question, the speech violence like these questions have actually in recent memory had shifted a lot on the left which used to be like the ACLU diehard, you know, left liberal classical free speech advocates, those people are waning on the left. We're getting a new version of it on the sort of center right. And there's still a lot of classical liberals who care deeply about free speech. But younger generations of Americans are willing to sacrifice free speech for feeling safe. And for a lot of things that I think older generations are should and, and should continue to be watchful and concerned about. Look, uh, there is uh, one... I mean, people are going to, you know, rhino me till the cows come home here. But um, the report did. There was a big dispute among the people who were working on the report, uh, the the members of Congress and the staff. Staff had prepared a whole section of the report about social media and messages and the use of social media. And Liz Cheney, among others, said, "Do we we will not go there. We cannot go there. We need to focus it's a whole different on Trump can of worms. Yes, yeah. Because once you get into social media, that is a direct speech that that directly implicates the rights of ordinary people and their speech. And when their speech tips into you know seditious conspiracy or stuff like that, obviously, uh, it's clear that social media and emails and stuff like that were used in some of these uh, criminal charges that people pled guilty to or were found guilty to in courts of law. Um, and uh, apparently, you know, we, we got a leak about this uh, three or four weeks ago that the staff was up in arms because they weren't going to be allowed to make this case. And I just say, thank God they didn't make this case. And for their well, that was own about sake, actions and speech, actions and speech, not just the speech. Right. They, they yeah. might have said stuff on Twitter, but then they picked up weapons and had a plan and talked, you know, and, and enacted it that day. That's different. The simple fact of the matter is members of Congress do not have the right to to police the speech of their constituents, which is effectively what we're talking about here. Government shall make no law bridging, for, you know, freedom of speech. And uh, do they want to sort of lay out a case that, uh, you know, that social media was somehow involved and the use of social media to organize people uh, uh, presents a real and present danger. I mean, they may want to, they, they was clearly, some of them wanted to make this case. It's a Rube Goldberg self-defeating case to make because the very fact that social media and a lot of this stuff is out in public 
makes it prosecutable as a matter of criminal. Like you don't have to go very far to build your case against somebody if he's tweeting or 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 4chaning or you know redditing things that say I'm going to go to the Capitol with with bear you know with bear spray. Um, that's that's accessible public information and you can use it against them saying that social media is the problem and that the and that the speech rights of Americans are are you know are, are pose a danger to America because some people may want to you know march on the capitol is a pandora's box and they didn't go there and i know people want a lot of people want to look at this and say the whole thing is just a scam and a fraud and trump did this last night on true social and said it's a witch hunt there have been things that have gone on in washington for the last six years that were witch hunts. Russiagate was a witch hunt. He is right to use the term witch hunt. It was a witch hunt. Uh, and and I think, or at least, you know, meaning you're looking for something that isn't there and then you say it's there. Um, this is the very farthest thing from a witch hunt because the thing happened, right? The whole point about Russian collusion is there was no Russian collusion. Point about the January 6th insurrection is there was a January 6th insurrection. Then the question is, who's to blame? Is there blame that can be apportioned to people who did not participate in it, but whose interests were being served by it or believe their interests were being served by it and who uh, encouraged it? And that's a very hard thing to prove because they were not there, because there is no smoking, because they didn't have their hand on a trigger. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's not, it's the opposite of a witch hunt. The event, we watched it happen in real time. And uh, notwithstanding the fact that there are many people in Trump's ambit and people who understand that, you know, Republicans and a lot of, you know, Trumpy people don't want to look at this or want to pretend that it wasn't serious or want to say Democrats did it too and nobody paid attention because it was all under the guise of Black Lives Matter or whatever. Um, they, That's offensive. It is offensive for them to say, what are you going to believe, me or your own eyes? Everybody said, and what's more, I don't think it works. I don't think it works. Like That's why Trump's position was degraded in 2021 and 2022. That's why... Uh, the Trump effect, which was, you know, according to the, all these polling studies, was four or five points against Republicans in races where he played a role. That four or five points is the January 6th insurrection in the end, I think. It was the capstone of a presidency. It's the last image that we saw. It's the final. And he kept reinforcing it with saying the election was stolen for two years after after the event. So I again I haven't read the report. I don't like Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff makes me sick. And I'm really sorry that he's there walking around, swanning around, writing op-eds. He is a witch hunter. His behavior was disgraceful during the impeachments. I don't like him. Uh the committee's report is an investigation into an event that happened, adducing evidence from uh, testimony that they managed to get from a lot of people in Trump land who basically made it very clear from Ivanka on down that this event was pleasing to him. And maybe that's not prosecutable, just that he enjoyed watching it or, you know, loves the crazies and loved 
the arguments being made by Sidney Powell, even though he knew they were crazy and all of that, that's not valuable information to have in determining whether or not somebody who has not exited the political stage should be should be somebody you should cast a vote for in the next election in which he is running. Of course, it's valuable information. I mean, look look your look yourself dead in the mirror before you cast a vote for Donald Trump. Like that's what this does, and that is legitimate. That is a legitimate function of the investigatory powers of Congress, in my view. But Abe, you're more in the you think politically it could backfire, I think is partially what you were saying. It just turns into a tit for tat. Democrats attack Republicans, Republicans attack Democrats, and so on. Yeah, I don't mean not. I don't mean politically backfire on on Democrats. I just think um, it could uh, degrade us um, further. Um, you know, as 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 a lot of these fights do. Um, I mean, in terms of of um, uh, backfiring on the committee and on uh, the, those who support it. I mean, w- would a would an actual legal attempt? Uh, to get him for insurrection and uh, then a, a miss. Um, how does that play out? How, what what does that cast? What sort of effect does that have on the airtight case that he that he has been um, morally culpable for for all of this? And then that was the clearest case, the most in a way, the most important case because it was it was the slam dunk case and shouldn't have shouldn't be lost um, in in sort of overreach maneuvers. Well, and that's the case that is before the voters in 2024, yeah. right? The- well, that's the case. And then, the, again, you get to the point of whether or not any, all of this is, um, as I say, it's a legitimate act of Congress to investigate what happened on January 6th. In fact, now it would have been a dereliction of duty for it not to. And the behavior of Kevin McCarthy and others uh, attempting to sabotage any uh, any investigation into this was um, was a, a shameful uh thing for uh an arm of government that is co-equal to the presidency and 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 was under assault and uh in you know on january 6th um but none of that has anything to do with what the justice department is going to do and I mean, we should make it very clear that while the evidence and the the, the affidavits and everything that they and the, the 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 questioning under oath that they got from all of these witnesses was sent over to the justice department to be part and parcel of any prosecution they might want to make on some of these charges beyond the ones that they've already issued. The Justice Department has to make this decision on its own. And like I say, I don't think if it's a really hard case, I don't think they're going to go with that case. In part because, you know, there is what appears to be a pretty open and shut case about the mishandling of classified information that might not rise to a standard in which you get to the point where he can't run for office again. But I don't know what case he can make that he was innocent of mishandling classified information. That's an entirely separate. The, yeah, but that's the, the so the special counsel is investigating the the documents, the mishandled documents. Now they have a second recommendation from the January 6th committee. The DOJ is just awash in recommendations and uh, prosecutable offenses from this guy. Right. But I mean, so as a result. I mean, the appearance of of politics could plausibly be in not prosecuting Donald Trump. Um, Right. I mean, you could, I mean, you could get a corkscrew case 
they don't want to prosecute Trump because uh, he's a wounded animal and they want to run against him because he'll be easier to run against. And testing the proposition that Republicans won't be able to quit him. And well, that's the political have... case for not prosecuting. Him. That's what I'm saying. That's that when you said there could be it could be political not to prosecute him. I don't quite know who exactly would be in this camp. Um, but we could be in this camp of saying, ah, you see, that's the whole point. They want Trump there. Trump got them, you know, Trump prevented them from being wiped out in 2022. Trump will get them reelected in 2024. What do you want to usher him off the stage with a successful prosecution? Well, that could be a good faith effort not to prosecute him because it would degrade the independence of the Justice Department and convince, you know, people, oh, blah, blah, the Justice Department is engaged in a political witch hunt. And so it's best to just hands off. But that's not good governance. That's not rule of law. You know, that there. I sent this to our text thread earlier this morning, but there's uh, Olivia Nuzzi did a, did another interview with Trump sort of look or looking at his 2024 campaign. And there are these it's just chock full of the stuff that proves the reason why the media at least would love to see Trump, you know, out there, certainly not barred from running for office. And he gave this hilarious quote where he was asked about his relevance, you know, as a as a failed uh president who lost re-election he says i think i've always been relevant like i've been relevant from a very young age i've i've been in the mix to be honest and it just it just struck me that like he is such a source of of um, you know amusement horror and uh terror for the media that that the stories kind of write themselves and you know we've said this many times but there's a void to be filled if he's if he's you know bogged down in in being prosecuted by the department of justice or banned from running so Anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting Ava, story. Was, it, it was you that said that we, we got a glimpse of what that future would be like, though maybe not focused on one person forever in what happened with Elon Musk over the last two months. That maybe we'll, you know, in the absence of Trump or if Trump passes from the stage, we will have like all these news events. We will have an object, you know, we'll have an Emmanuel Goldstein every every couple of months that everybody can two minute hate on. And then we'll move on to the next Emmanuel Goldstein. I think I think we have a new template that we try to fit things into. Right. But um, I don't know that everyone ends up having the impact in that template. Well, that, that, nor that nor should they. Right. right. So, you know, Trump is the most powerful man in the world and Elon Musk is the richest man in the world. You know, yeah. if it turns out to be Matt Gates, it's not going to have the same effect, you know, just because he's one of 435 congressmen or something like that. But but but. um you have to you have to convince yourself that the person is powerful and a danger and then you can come after them with you know you can say anything about them because because of the standard that has been created here okay let's take a break and hear from our friends at fire do you know only one in three americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights that's why fire is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all americans no matter where you're from or what you believe, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people. FIRE will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights. Join the fight for free speech at www.thefire.org. You know, what's interesting is we we have to keep talking about this. Maybe this is the moment at which we really do start talking less and less about this. This report is out until the, you know, will his tax returns are out until some action takes place until the justice department charges or the Georgia, the Fulton County prosecutor 
charges, right? And that will be a charge that he um, sought to interfere with the, you know, with the proper democratic counting of ballots and to, you know, and to uh, fix the vote and stuff like that. There's not going to be not much to say about him anymore. Uh, I mean, he maybe he'll have rallies and stuff like that, but um, but uh, his his greatest hits are sort of running dry, right? I mean, the election denial. We even have Joe Kent, who was a Trumpy guy, ran in Washington State. Uh, they did a recount in his race. Uh, he was supposed to win that race because that was a district won by the predecessor that he knocked out of the Republican primary, Jamie Herrera Butler, by 13. Um, and he conceded. He said, I always said I would concede. I have conceded. My time in politics is not over. You know, I'll be back. You'll hear from me again in January, but I have conceded. So, you know, the... The, the fact is that even people who wanted to follow Trump's template are seeing that it may be ruinous to follow Trump's template. Like you can be Carrie Lake and maybe you can raise money forever and go to, you know, idiot conferences and hold up guns sponsored by, you know, sponsored by the gun owners of America or something like that. But, you know, you're not going to run for office. Again. Be sponsored by my pillow, my gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just not going to run. I mean, she's not going to ever run for office again. Or maybe she'll run, but I mean that would harm her brand because then she'll then she'll then she'll lose. Um, and so I, I don't know that there's much that he can talk about in the present context. Uh, I mean, you know, he and he he also had an opportunity. Uh, I mean, has had, he had lots of opportunities in his in his life as a politician that he that he screwed up. Like he had an opportunity to reset the political table with a deal uh, on 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 the wall and uh, stuff like that in tw- and and uh, infrastructure in the uh, transition in 2016 he didn't do that he screwed up uh, obama he screwed up the uh, revocation of obamacare um he screwed up a lot of stuff and uh you know but he had an opportunity to sort of like uh, Biden was doing unprecedented things that he could have been the the leading spokesman against uh, and be the leading spokesman against the political effects of inflation and all of that. And he just couldn't stop talking about January 6th. That's He didn't care about any of that. He only cared about January 6th or, excuse me, or the election denial or whatever. So uh, w- what's the evidence that he's going to switch gears and talk about things that will be of interest to voters? Well, only only the claim from his camp that he will. Um that's yeah, you know, yeah. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna have to do a listening tour. As a, I was right. just gonna say, he's such a good listener to others' matters. well-meaning advice, too. Yeah, he's... yeah. <laughs> um, but the, is, is this a supply problem or a demand problem? By which I mean, when he has even been moved, pushed to talk about semi-relevant political issues beyond his own sense of grievance, he talks about. The pop culture wars that dominate the thinking of people on the right who are mired in online forums and focused on getting on cable news at night. Um, now, those are not irrelevant. Uh, for example, you know, disinformation policies. Those are not irrelevant. But the constituencies that really respond to that sort of thing are very narrow. Objectively, demonstrably narrow. Now, this is the all-consuming issue for people who set 
who arbitrate the discourse on Twitter, and they're overrepresented in the discourse. But it's not the most important issue facing American voters. It's not even the most important issue for Republicans, Republican-based primary voters, I would venture. I don't think I've seen polling to that effect. But I don't know what they're concerned about. But I guarantee you it's not Twitter. Twitter is not the foremost concern of people, of, of most voters. Even in an academic sense, they can be moved to, to care about the possible interference of the FBI in this sort of situation. And it has some theoretical relevance to good governance. But it's just simply not going to be the foremost issue on voters' minds any at any point, especially at a time when pocketbook concerns are the chief concern for most voters. And, you know, it, it, according to the polling that we saw ahead of November, I don't think that's changed. Yeah, it's so, not where Twitter, Twitter's not where people live their lives. Most people, so, it's where so the look, elite gatekeepers the, live their lives. Right. The it's important, just that he can't, even when he wants to talk about things that are yeah. not himself, they're irrelevant because they are kind of about himself. So we know the pocketbook issues were foremost in people's minds, but it turns out that what Republicans didn't do was make the sale that they had anything of interest to say about pocketbook issues, that they were focused on other things that were not relevant and, in fact, injurious. Um, not all, and that, but the, the Trumpy. Well, the a lot. Yeah, but I mean, like, basically, that number that you keep citing or you like to cite noah that you know 30 odd percent of people said extremism or threats to democracy was a played a major factor in their vote that is itself the that's the indictment prosecution and conviction of the republican party on this because if they had made the election a referendum on biden's you cannot you do that in part not just by saying look at biden he sucks but you also say look at Biden, he sucks, and we have a better way of doing this. And they never turned that corner into the better way of doing this because they too were focused in in, in sort of Republican navel-gazing on how to handle Trump, just like Trump was focused on navel-gazing about how where to be himself. And that was such a, a dominating focus that, there's, that there's, they, never, there's this... they never made the sale. Yeah, there's this you know phenomenon whereby uh, the the populists always say you know that when they're saying now why do uh, the elites hate the base and why don't they respond to our causes and but the the truth is Trump whenever he would discuss any of these issues he he never spoke really directly to the base either he he sort of came out with these products that were related to people's concerns um that never really address them directly. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking also like during 2020 when uh, um, the, the country was run riot, you know, and there was this idea that, well, uh, this is this is Trump's moment because he's a law and order um, president. And in fact, he did nothing. Um, he had no comprehensible position uh, on any of this, uh, you know, on the on the on the violence in the country. And 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 I think that's often the case. He has his sort of boutique concerns around things that people are talking about um, that that don't actually speak to the heart of any of it. Uh, the it's wall like is a perfect said, example. Yeah, but when he said like we love our cops, like that's right. good. Like it's good to say sure. we love our cops when Democrats are saying we hate cops in 2020. But um, you know, once again, he's not a caller into a talk show. He was president of the United States. What are you going to do to show cops love? What are you going to do to combat the war against cops? 
he he like everybody else on Twitter and like everybody else on social media confuses speech with action. One of the reasons that we can have free speech in a weird way and what why it's is that speech isn't action precisely. It's the building block of action. It's a building block of action. It's a way of explaining action. It's a way of defending action. It is not an act in and of itself to open up your mouth. You know, that's the easy that's the easy part. The hard part is doing something. And he was hired to do something. And he was fired because in all these realms, he didn't do things where what he did was displeasing to people. How he handled COVID was displeasing to people. You know, how he treated people was displeasing to people. And so, you know, he he shares the quality of the Twitter lunatics and the and the people who wanted to have a have the congressional report focus on social media in confusing speech with action, which also leads to the idea that people should not be allowed to say things. And he himself is a believer in that, right? He wants he wanted to tighten libel laws. He wanted, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to say that. They should throw you in jail for saying that about me, that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Let's let me uh, let me uh, stop for a moment and talk to you about our uh, our friends at Bambi. Small businesses have problems with HR, and particularly now we have this like uh, you know we have this um, sizzling jobs economy to some extent, and of course that that means that um, uh, how to deal with your employees when you need them and it's hard to find other ones. This is a major issue. How are you going to handle that? How do you do it right? How do you comply with local, state, and federal law in doing so? Go to Bambi because it will provide you with your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. Those HR managers can cost $80,000 a year. We're talking here about $99 a month available by phone, email, and real-time chat. And Bambi's HR autopilot will help you automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. HR managers uh us-based they're dedicated to your business they understand your business they give you access to hr expertise while providing the personal touch you need because every business is different so go to bambi.com right now and type in commentary magazine under podcast when you sign up it'll really help the show spelled b-a-m-b-e-e.com bambi.com type in commentary magazine uh okay uh what are people's let let's talk holiday plans what do you got what's going on i'm cooking what you're cooking well okay. I, I mean there's a herculean set of tasks that are before me in the next 48 hours and unfortunately this was a very pivotal day today is friday december 23rd the last day of school where the children were supposed to not be here turns out there's weather they're here i don't know how we're going to navigate around them Really You've got no some idea. wrangling to do, Noah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> kid wrangling. Put on Chippendale Rescue Rangers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> on loop. That that appeals to me, John. Oh, okay. And actually, we're this is a foreshadowing because that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what we're gonna. But a lot, a whole lot of cooking, and then some series of other, you know, very urgent tasks that need to happen somehow. <laughs> Christine, 
a lot of cooking here too. We're doing, we always have some traditional gatherings with neighbors leading up to Christmas. Um, Things we definitely always eat on Christmas day, like it's either pancakes or waffles in the morning. And then a big dinner that we make with another family that we've done every year, um, which changes year to year. We all kind of vote on things we want to try. It's always very experimental, usually really good. Sometimes it goes off the rails and we end up wondering why we didn't just order pizza but it's a lot of fun a lot of we play games and stuff afterwards um i'm gonna make a bunch of cookies with my kids we have a you know four or five kinds of cookies we like to make um but mainly uh here in dc which, where the temperature is going to drop about 40 degrees today is uh bundling up and making sure our pipes don't burst so those are uh, little additional activities and that the dog doesn't freeze on his walks um and then we'll head eventually after the holiday for uh to someplace a little sunny and warm for a while. Hey, my uh, Chinese food or not? My 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 holiday sort of rush is over. Uh, I I actually yeah. did a lot uh, for during Hanukkah. I had family over last night. Um. So uh, no, I'm gonna did you make I'm gonna, uh, Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna. You know that's down. not easy. I just want to point out that grading, you know, well, grading well, well, fifty wait. potatoes. You got to grade the potatoes. Yeah, that's the hardest part. But someone easy made, to make. Someone made lockets. Someone made lockets. <laughs> but, but your arm. But he you, will you neither confirm nor deny that it was him. I, I am not a big uh... grading potatoes. Isn't the hard part. It's the oil. The it's oil getting gets them everywhere. To stick. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, it's I know. Messy. I know. I know. It's so good though. They can be. They can also be really bad. That's the one problem. Like that's if they fail, you know, they're just. It's just like eating oil and it's gross so but okay so you did a lot you did a lot uh yeah so i'm uh, uh and uh i gotta write i have to write over the over the you do you have metrics, to write so, yes you gotta write uh we're I'm, uh, I'm not at all a new year's guy so i'm not going out my my kids are now like i want to do something special on new year's and i'm like oh no and the cycle begins again the most disappointing day of all days yeah you know the hype is never worth the uh, there's only one good new year's and that's when harry runs and said tells sally that he loves her and then they get married at the they they fall in love again at the new year's party that's it new year's bad very bad uh being in bed before midnight is a is a joy and a pleasure on new year's forced forced gaiety forced merriment forced celebration is uh you know, based Who's on calendar. You? I will say that I had a great New Year's. <laughs> when you Eve. always feel bad, no, no. you always feel bad if you're not like doing New Year's. That's it. Just well, makes you feel bad. No, no, but you can. So you should just. Uh, I'm with Abe. Like at New Year's party, New Year's Eve parties are the worst. But I did have a fantastic New Year's uh, years ago. When my kids were young, and my sister visited from California with her kid, and a bunch of us rented an apartment right over Times Square. And we, so we all had young kids. So we were actually all in bed by like 11, but outside you could sort of hear the noise and Britney's first, someone performed, you know, right there in Times Square, but we were locked in. You couldn't leave the building because it was in the radius of where the concert was happening. And we didn't have to be in the crowds. We just sort of loomed over because a friend of my sister's let us borrow this apartment. It was fantastic. And we were all in bed before 11 PM. So it was great. We could sort of hear the noise, but not have to be in the scrum. Okay, you want to know why people at Commentary are crushingly morose? I'm going to explain it to you now. We rented an office. The office, when we rented the office in 2011 or something like that, was on both the Thanksgiving and New Year's kind of route, okay? 
it was on the Thanksgiving Day Parade route, and it was it's right near Times Square, so you could see the goings on outside the office. And then they rerouted the Thanksgiving Day Parade away from the office, off Seventh Avenue onto Broadway, so we could no longer see it. And then they just made it unbelievably difficult if you wanted to sort of like hang out at the office and be part of it. They just made it incredibly difficult to you had to show proof that your office was where it was and you needed to like a you needed to have a rent like you needed to have a slip showing your rental that you were renting in this office. People who live in the neighborhood could show a driver's license showing their address, but of course that wasn't going to work otherwise. And so uh this one benefit of being where where our office is was um was kind of um turned completely sour. Now the only thing that we have is the ability to walk, look down on the Margaritaville Resort pool. That's that that we have. It's across that, the street. From our it seems to be a happening place too, with all those glass. Uh, people yeah, forget not, to draw their tonight. blinds. So. Not tonight, <laughs> but it drops fifty degrees. But yeah, right. But way more interesting than a parade. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, everybody have a merry Christmas. Have a great last couple of days of Hanukkah. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with our. Um, with our week of uh, of fun, unexpected things that are not newsy, and uh, and uh, so be there, or be square next week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. For Abe, Christina, Noam, John Podhoritz, keep the candle burning.